This episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast is presented by Aquarius Home Services, Ace Solid Waste, Grain Belt Premium Beer, and the Minnesota Propane Association. A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. I am Travis Frank. I am your host sitting in our office with Jared Wicklin and Tom Carpenter. No strangers to our podcast, but it's rare that I get to sit in a space with both of you during hunting season. The chances of this happening, it's like... We're typically waving at each other <laughs> on, the inter- on the interstate going opposite direction. Yeah. Carp, you just returned from North Dakota. Jared, you were hunting elk up in a mountain somewhere. How I was. Uh, it was. It was awesome. I ended up, uh, long story short, I shot a really mature cow elk uh, spotter in the woods, snuck up to 16 yards and uh, that was, that was a story. It was, it was great. We spent the rest of the time trying to get a bowl for, uh, one of my other colleagues and, and coworkers, Logan Hinners in our graphic design department. And, uh, we just couldn't quite seal the deal, but, uh, yeah, going out West, it's just, a, it's a different, it's a different feeling, you know, you don't, I don't get to spend as much time out there as I would like, but, uh, the elk, the mountain grouse, I've got plans to go back with yes, the dog. I saw some of your videos. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty epic. So a uh, cool trip and it, uh, took up, uh, the beginning of bird season for me, but now, uh, it's, it's all birds all the time now. So right. that's, that's well, what I'm so planning. How would, I mean, a big game hunt like that for elk is on very high up on my bucket list. I still have not done it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done it before this. Uh, yeah, I've hunted, uh, Montana and I've hunted Colorado as well. Okay. Um, with uh all with all with bow and it's challenging you know i mean trying to you can you can beat their eyes and their their hearing's pretty good it's okay but uh the nose is the biggest thing when the winds when the wind shifts um yeah and you've got you're not talking about just straight wind direction affecting what they smell you're talking about up and down yep thermals and it swirls out there and um we had a lot of different instances every day where you know you can hear the elk take off you're getting close to them wind swirls and they're gone. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, pretty amazing animal, pretty amazing country. And, uh, yeah, I was thankful to have Logan with, uh, he was a f- former elk guide and just very good at putting us where we needed to be. Um, and, you, uh, pa- you, packing out as well. Was, well, you need to have that, the, yeah. the mule out there. Yeah. Uh, can you give us an elk calling mimic? Oh man. You want the bull scream or yeah, you want, no, give us the bull. No. I, <laughs> I, I thought I've kept practicing on the way out. Cause I thought, you know, you're going to have to do the meow, meow. There you go. Cow, cow elk just to get them to stop. But it was, uh, yeah, I'll save my, I'll save my bull scream for when we're outside. So I don't disrupt the entire, uh, <laughs> department here. Round oh, share production. It'll scare you? all the listeners away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. And the start of your season has been phenomenal as well. Right. 
Yeah, I've just, uh, I have not hit the woods yet. It's uh, the, the prairie grouse hunting has just been too good. And that's sort of what Lark and I live for. And uh, we've been just going back to North Dakota and hunting sharptails. I fashion them as God's birds. I love them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're wonderful to hunt there. You know, I just talk, I love pheasant hunting. We all know that yep. people, but um, when you, pheasant hunting is hard work. And I love it, and I do it, and it's probably what I live for the most but as far as hunting goes. But when it's sharptail season, I just can't stay away from it. It's yeah. easy in the sense that you're not fighting cattails and brush and willows. It's knee-high grass, and it's, it's sunny, and it's on the warm side, and you can see your dog work. You get to watch it all. Yeah, that you is, see it all. Yep. I mean, we had, I had one sequence uh, this last trip to North Dakota, 150 yards and eight points. I mean, they're just walking ahead of that, of that dog. And she just repositions, repositions, repositions. And finally you get them up against a, some terrain or something and, and they, and the dog locks up and it's, it's just sort of magical. So that's, that's been my season. It's uh we were, we're all talking this morning. It woke up to wind, Northwest wind coming in. We had a full moon last week. That means woodcock are in. So I'll be in, I'll be in the woods for a, a little bit here. Um, I'm going to use 50 days of PTO in the next 50 <laughs> days. <laughs> I, can't I mean, this. finally cooling down. So for folks that are listening, I like we're coming to you here from the twin cities. Right. And, it has just been, it has just been brutally warm outside. I mean, it was. I was up in Northwest Wisconsin. I only hunted two hours the other morning for grouse. Great hunt, lots of birds, but it was humid outside. And by the afternoon, I mean, they canceled the Twin Twin Cities Marathon because right. it was so so warm outside. And for yeah. a bird dog too, when it's eighty five, we're gonna run that. I heard. Oh yeah, yeah. They were they were thinking I he might re- win it this year. So <laughs> next year, you got it next year. He climbed it in Wyoming. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Do you feel like a new man when you come off the mountain? Um, you do. Like I probably put it all back on now, but I lost like eleven pounds just. How many in, oatmeal cream pies do you carry up there with you? Quite a few. Do you? Yeah, quite a few zebra cakes. Zebra cakes. Uh, we had Logan brought Logan brought these tuna creations with that you can buy for ninety nine cents at the store, like hot buffalo and, and uh, Thai, 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 uh, Thai seasoning. There's all sorts of different flavors, but we were just living, living on those and uh, flour tortillas for six Carp, days. Okay, in North Dakota, have you ever bought kuchen? I know what kuchen is. I've never bought it there. My mother used to make it. She was bohemian, so. Oh, do, do tell yeah. what, it, what, okay, what is so it. Okay, so it is like. It's like an apple pie pastry. Yeah, it's like a. It's sort of like a custard. It comes in a variety of different flavors. It's like a pie or a cake, but you have it in the morning yeah. before a hunt, and you have it with coffee, and it is... Really? There's, I've not served it to anyone who hasn't just about fallen over and just fallen. In, like The problem is, so they make it up in North Dakota. Yeah. I've never found it anywhere else. I know you can find the recipes online, but... Yep. Um, that's like Grandma Lois is yeah. the, on the package. I, Lois Vanderwall, I think. I don't, I don't recognize that, so I'm glad you let me know because I'll have to try that the next time I'm driving through. If you through. can find it, that's the thing. Here's, here's mine. If you, drive, if you drive south into South Dakota, tiger meat. What? Tiger meat. It's, it's, it's raw. It's uh, uh, hamburger, raw hamburger. Yeah, raw hamburger Se- with a bunch of spices really, and seasoning like, in it. What do you... I'm not fancy enough to know what the um, uh, the 
chef's name for it is. <laughs> I know what his tiger meat. It's tight. Ty- I don't. But, yeah, that it says it on the package. Yeah, Last time we were really, there, yeah, ty- tiger this meat. This is where but, we need our producer Brandon Morton. Well, because he's usually searching he, all this stuff. Oh, okay, gotcha. Let's, let's do. A, we'll do a Whole Foods of Bird Country show. Yes, I took a picture on the tailgate the other day when we were on North Dakota, and it was. 70, uh, 85% unhealthy. And then just a little bit of, but I've been trying. I brought fruits and veggies along too. I'm trying to be better about this because I want to be a lean, mean hunting machine. I just got to say, you look great. But, so, oh, yeah. Jared. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, He's in shape, ready to go for the bird, <laughs> so for the bird season. Back to the kookin. If you can find it. So I, I went, I found like in this grocery store in, Velva, North Dakota. And I had like, there was like 10 packages and I came to the register with eight of them. And the lady's like, I'm sorry, I can't let you have all of those. Like, oh my goodness. Cause I wanted some for honey camp. I wanted some to bring home. I wanted to give some for friends. It's, it's like that good. It's like ammo in some of the stores, right? You can only. I, you can't, I've never hoarded well. anything in my life except for Grandma Lois's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's two uh, boxes hun- at a time. Hunting gives us a good reason to say, "Well, I'm working hard. I'm going to eat more." I, yeah. I I walked, I think, 48 and 53 miles total. How about Lark? My hunts. What she, is Lark doing? Double. She'd do double that. I don't have anything on her, but uh, as far as tracking her, you know, but the general. The general rule is two, two to two point five to one. Yep. Um, but my my message was, you sort of think, well, I walked ten miles today. I can uh, I can have I can this pie tonight. Zebra I, cakes. I, I came yeah. <laughs> I came back heavier from both hunts. You know, like yes. a pound or two. I'm like, wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna have dropped three pounds. Like, oh crap, I'm up two. I know. I always feel I'm like, honey, I walked 37 miles this week. How much yeah. did you do? And then she looks in the vehicle and sees all the junk. She's <laughs> like, you're 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 not doing it right. This is not. You can't brag about all this exercise you're putting in if you're gonna be eating that garbage. Um, I I jumped into the woods a couple days ago because, as we're about to discuss here, the reports, the optimism, if you can't hear in our voices, we're all giddy. Everybody that I've talked to that bird hunts right now is giddy. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes from Hungarian partridge to sharp tails to the pheasants that we're going to get into. Rough grouse. Holy cow. That's, you know, it's something that I... Deeply love. Jared, I know you have a, a sweet spot too. I'm thankful for the fact that, you know, the three of us live in the epicenter of rough grouse. And that's what I grew up on before. I, Same. Didn't, I didn't even know what a pheasant was when Same. I was a kid. You yep. know, grew up in Duluth and Superior that National first Forest. First explosion following my dad into the deer stand in the yeah. park and a rough grouse blew up in the bush right under my feet. And I was like, you know, I mean, it stops your heart for a second. <laughs> and that yep. was my first experience with an upland bird. And my first Bird hunts were all rough grouse hunts. Yep. And, and it's, I still love the, the forest walks. And the first first one of the year, especially, whether you're hunting grouse or pheasants or whatever, it's it's the same thing where you don't you don't sleep a wink the night before. Yep. Um where I was up at my in-laws and you know, went out in the morning and I normally get out too early, like the birds haven't even really. But who cares? Come, you gotta go. That's the thing. Yeah, you gotta go, and uh, there's all sorts of uh, abandoned cabins and little stuff where I go that I like to take pictures of. You know, so it's just the whole experience of the thing and, and getting out in that first hunt. And it's gonna be that same way for pheasant season coming up. Like you said, we've got some, we've got some good reports coming in, 
And uh, yeah, I think Giddy Giddy is a good way to describe it. I mean, yeah. we're ready to go. We here, went about so. I don't know 150 yards, Daisy and I. And I don't like to walk on the trails. I actually like to just let her go and get into some really. Tom calls them hell holes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like to just get lost in the woods. And yep. fortunately, I don't get lost because obviously we have Onyx. But I like to just get far away from where people are because I don't know. I just feel like I'm really on an adventure. And I was by myself, which. I rarely get to do so. Um, nice. Just Daisy and I out there on a walk, and she goes on point. I'm like, all right, here we go. I Game hit time. Da- <laughs> I hit the damn thing. One First, up, one down. One Rough for girls. one. A little while later, she goes on point. I walk up, and she's staring down, and I'm like, this is a woodcock. It's got to be, because I can see everything around. <laughs> One up, one down, let's go. Two for two. I almost left the woods right there because I'm like, I can't do any better than yeah. this. Just throw so in I the was, towel. I was batting a 1,000, and then I was quickly batting 500. And then I got it back up to 750. Yes. And then I went back down a little bit. So, yeah. But what a hunt, my goodness. I mean, this awesome. like I I just am so excited. I know we, we're talking pheasants today, but, man, it's it's just been great reports all over the place. Carp, your position at Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, what's your title? Editor. 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 Jared, your title? Uh, communications director. Gotcha. And you both have been there combined. How many years apiece? Uh, I'm going on, I'll be going on 14. I'm on going on seven, six or seven. Can't gotcha. Keep track. And the growth of the organization, both on the PF and the QF side, just continues to see the trajectory that we all love right i mean you guys are constantly looking to add more bodies more more outdoor lovers into your staff i get asked all the time about what are some opportunities that might be available in the outdoor space and i always direct people to pheasants forever usually i send them to bob yeah yep that's a good place to go yeah and i feel like you know there's space for more and you guys are continuing to hire, right? It's interesting at pheasants forever is that we, we hire people from a lot of different backgrounds. And I think, uh, being a, being a people person, number one, I think is like sort of a good, good way to get your foot in the, in the door. Cause you have to interact with chapters and members and landowners. It doesn't matter if you're a communications director, uh, like myself, an editor like Carp, maybe a, a, a farm bill biologist or a range and wildlife conservationist. You have to be able to work with people um, because that's that that's how we put habitat on the ground. That's how we form partnerships, right? So um, we've got over pheasants forever has grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the last uh, in the last decade. But really, more so probably in the last like five to six years. I mean, we went we went from um, just very well still grassroots organization that's never going to leave that's that's what we hang our hat on but you go from just a, a couple people and a couple field staff to we get our farm bill biologist program going in 2004 we start stepping that up and we're helping deliver conservation for partners like natural resources conservation service um and um united states department of agriculture right and all these other uh state state and federal partners that we have and all the sun Fast forward to 2023, we're up over 500 staff right now. And the majority of those... Largest are, conservation organization in the country, right? Yeah. And when you talk about um, talk about just biologists in general, I think we maybe mentioned this before, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, uh, other than the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, who I think at, if we keep growing the way we are, we'll probably be number one. But other than the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, we've got the most biologists of any organization uh, in the country, which... 
I think it's pretty cool. It speaks yeah. to what we do and that, that private, private land side of it, the public land side is, is great too. And we do a lot of work there, um, obviously, but the, the private land side also produces a ton of birds and that's, that's where, that's where conservation is done. So, um, it's a, it's a great one to punch. What do you think, Carp? Yep. You nailed it. I mean, uh, I was going to bring up what you said, uh, except for U S fish and wildlife, we have the most biologists of any organization. And it also speaks to what pheasants forever does. I mean, most of the jobs at pheasants forever aren't directing communications or editing the magazine or working on the website. They're in the field doing habitat work. That's why we're the habitat organization. And, um, I guess the only thing I'd add is Jared, Jared's description touched at the end on public lands and access. And that's humongous for us and our members as well. We're not all about acquiring land and turning it over to U.S. Fish and Wildlife or state agencies, but that's part of the deal. And so is public access. You talk about private lands with some of the places we're talking about, like where I'm hunting, been hunting sharptails in North Dakota. They're walk-in access. Plots. They're plots, but they're private land. Mm -hmm. You don't have plots. You don't have walk-in in Minnesota or IHAP in Iowa or walk-in in Illinois or walk-in or Weha in Kansas. None of that happens without habitat on private land. Yep. And that's millions of acres of access hey, for hunters. On that note, so Onyx has partnered with you guys on a new initiative in South Dakota. Yep. And we actually, I, I meant to say this right off the top, and, I, and uh, it's important because next week, so this is Wednesday, October 4th. So a, a week from tomorrow, next Thursday, October 12th, we're going to be in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're going to be partying with Pheasants Forever and Onyx and producing a live flush podcast at the Remedy Brewing Company. Yep. And so Ben Bredigan, he's put this together. Free beer. Free beer. <laughs> Did I say that? Free beer. Free beer is, is it, part of the is deal. Is it Green Belt? <laughs> I, bet I, it's, I, I bet it's from some of those great microbreweries they have in Sea yeah. Falls. So. Yeah, it's it's from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Live Flush Podcast. We're going to be celebrating the start of pheasant hunting season in South Dakota and this big new initiative that you guys are enrolling with Onyx to add more public access, publicly accessible acres into uh, the bird hunters' um, game. Arsenal. Bag. Arsenal. There we go. So live podcast. Thursday, October 12th, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Remedy Brewing Company, 5.30 to 8.30 p.m., free beer, and a lot of giveaways. And Ben was texting me the giveaways. They're like, pretty good. Yeah, he doesn't mess around. Yeah, like, They're good. People are leaving with, like, dog kennels and, you know, like, really good, really good items. So um, he put out, a, like, a, a feeler to find out how many people, if, if we did this, would you be interested in coming? And that's just to, like, the people in that general area. And he had 500 yeses. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, we'll see how many people come. I, I don't know how big this space is. I've never been to Remedy Brewing before, but I'm really excited about it. Obviously, when we do live shows, people can be a part of the show. So come on out. I've already gotten emails from people that heard about it. They're coming. Uh, bring your friends. Let's, let's have a big bird bash and, and really kickstart the start of hunting season out there. Looking forward to that. So with that... Um, 
where do we want to break this down, Carp? You just released, you know, a few days ago, but we've all been hunting, so this is our first chance to get together. <laughs> the Pheasants Forever released the 2023 pheasant hunting forecast, and you guys do a good job. I'm on your website right now, pheasantsforever.org, and, and there's a on the homepage, there's a link to the pheasant forecast, and then you can hover over the state yep. and then get a breakdown of what hunters can expect for each state. Yeah. How do you want to start this? We, we talked about this earlier before we hit the start button. There's like a big eight or a big seven in, in pheasant country. And then there are pheasants that do exist in, in other states as well. But I think we're going to spend the majority of our time focusing on where the majority of the hunters travel to yep. and hunt pheasants. Should we start right here in our home state? Or where do you want to go, Carp? I, th- I think we start with a little... A little overview okay um and then we then absolutely go to each yeah. state whatever order we want to take it um how much time do you spend putting this together by the way oh there's 22 states yep. i don't write them all um uh, but I, I have to find the writers and writers i trust and jared's always a big help there he knows everybody i i know most everybody but he knows everybody <laughs> yeah he's a big deal yeah he's a big deal bigger much bigger than me but you know, getting these writers on board and, you know, making sure they're reporter types. I want them to dig. I want them to talk to not only our biologists, but not only state and not only state biologists, but other folks, folks in the field. And like I always write our Minnesota report and I always, I take what I call the tour Yeah. and, you know, Minnesota hotbed of pheasants forever, people everywhere committed to it. I have a little tour of, I mean, I could talk to five times as many people, but oh, sure. I talk to people in Pipestone and Worthington and Marshall and Wilmer, you name it, up in Fergus Falls. Um, but I, that, that's what I, I, I try and get all these writers to, to do that digging. Um, you know, and then am I going to find my hotspot here? Are they, is, is it going to reveal Joe Blow WMA? No, but it's going to give, the, you, these reports are going to give you an idea of, yeah, maybe I do want to go to South Dakota this year. Man, that South, South or man, the, the North Central sounds good, whatever the case is. So we'll get into that state by state. Yeah. So but I, what I want to start with is sort of the formula of, you know, why are we all giddy after this sharp tail hunting that I am addicted to and the rough grouse that you guys are seeing? You know, first of all, if you'd have talked to, if we would have been doing this podcast last February and March, we would we would have been sort of like everything's wah, gone. Would have been wah, yeah. Wah. <laughs> would have been a real downer. <laughs> but so what happened? These birds are tougher than we think. They Jared's floating on his chair right now. Yeah. That's all. He's not even touching the ground. I'm just I'm just staring at Carp while he's talking. <laughs> so <laughs> you're captivating. Keep going. So Keep going, what what, what happened was there's habitat out there and and you know things you think about things like. Prairie grouse, sharptails, and chickens—they're native. They know how to survive a winter like that. They've seen a winter like that. Mm-hmm. Pheasants, how can they do it? They, but with habitat, they can do it. And they're also just so much more tougher than we think. So, did did bird? Did we lose birds here and there? Absolutely. Did enough make it through to nest? Absolutely. So then, what happened? Number two, ideal nesting conditions. Perfect. All that snow, despite the fact that across the pheasant range, and this is part of it, despite the fact that it got real dry this year and at various stages, Minnesota's coming out of it now, uh, but we were at getting into extreme drought, so, southern South Dakota, Nebraska, parts of Iowa. Um, the farther west and north you went, 
the, the wetter it was. But it was dry and warm in June and not a lot of cold rain and not a lot of storms. The ha uh, good hatches happened across the board. All the things we're talking about, rough grouse, sharp tails, yep. and oh, oh, big surprise, pheasants. So enough hens made it through. There's always a few roosters that made it through. Yes. And there was a good hatch almost everywhere. What do we shoot as uplanders? You know, 70, 80% of the bag is this year's hatch of birds. Mm -hmm. it, it's all about, you know, you got to get birds through the winter, but then you have to hatch birds. When a single hen can put 12 more on the ground, you can replenish your supply really quickly. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and when a lot of hens can put a lot of birds on the ground, sure, some are going to get gone. But if you get, mm -hmm. uh, if you get five hens putting 60 birds out and half of them are or half of them get creamed mm -hmm. by predators, there's still 30 out of five hands. Yeah. If you only put, if only two hands put 12 out, that's 24, half of them get creamed. That's only 12 birds for that, for that same number of hands. So we had a great hatch. What happened? Number three, good, uh, good. The summer was basically dry, yeah. but not too dry habitat. You know, I just enough to keep bug, bug production. Exactly. Going. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's so good, good brood production. Um, and that, that's what, that's, that was the perfect swirl. In our world, it's set up as good as it possibly could. And I will say, because I know that there are a lot of farmers and, and landowners that listen to this as well. That's not always the case for those farmers that might've had a, a poor growing season. I mean, there are parts of our yes. hunting area that we're going to talk about where Farmers <clears throat> did not get banner crops, you know, so yeah. thinking, be thinking about more than just what we want, which is a bird, yeah. you know, those landowners that give us permission, they might be stressed right now because their harvest is not quite what they wanted it to be. So that's something to, you know, there, just be aware of when we head into those areas this year. You know, there's a really fine line, um, you know, when you get into extreme, extreme drought and they open up hay and grazing. You know, C CRP especially exists to help protect farmers and ranchers in cases like that. It's like the, you could call it, you know, conservation reserve program, or you could call it the grass grassland reserve program. That's what it's there for. Cause when other crops and things, um, when other crops and things, uh, aren't viable just because we don't have enough moisture or what have you, um, that, that grass is a fallback for farmers and ranchers to be able to feed their cattle and keep them out of, keep them out of sale lots. I mean, honestly, that's, that same thing happened, you know, last year when we had a really, really dry year, that's what, that's what CRP did. And that's why those rules are that way. But, um, yeah, people got to realize that that's, it's all, it's all part of the, the overall plan of why those grasslands exist. And I think for us to be healthy, hunters to be healthy and wildlife to be healthy, it, it's everyone working together. Yep, it really is. So I, I think I just brought that up. I have a lot of farmer friends. I'm from farm country myself, and I've been hearing, you know, they're literally on hands and knees praying for moisture in July and celebrating when six tenths fall, you know, I mean, because that's a big deal. So yep. that's a reality as well. Think big picture when we head out there. Let's get back into the fact that, yes, we did carp have amazing yep. nesting. And, and I the think the brood sizes were were. Like on uh, yep. any of those video games, it keep going up. <laughs> <laughs> and I think as we, so that that's the basic story as we walk through each state. I think you'll see it fairly similar 
in each of these states because uh, they're they're we're not that and that diff they're not that different the core of the pheasant range these northern plains states so I think we let's take it away on on some of the states can um, I can I preface it with with just two points yeah first of all I want to let people know that I believe our forecast is the best in the country I mean we put a lot of time and effort into it a lot of people are brought in uh, you know state agencies. Um, you know, even federal agencies, some of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service staff that we know and love uh, work with them to get re field reports, uh, our own staff. So this report, one, is not sugarcoated, right? We re-report the facts yep. uh, of what it's looking like in bird country, good or bad. And you can go back through the through reports from years past and, and look at that. Um, uh, so that's that's one thing. And number two is I think we do a really good job of sort of threading the needle. There's some reports that come out before um, roadside counts are even done. Um, and there's, you know, in some cases, there's be becoming less and less roadside counts, which it gets a little bit harder to keep your keep your thumb on what's what's going on in the landscape. But um, the fact that we wait until those roadside counts are done trying to report the most accurate statistics and numbers and yeah. anecdotal information. And, and, so. In the years past, I mean, we've done this forecast now for a couple of years. You guys have joined me, uh, one or both. And we've, we've explained to people how the information is gathered. But can you just give a quick overview of how this typically works where people report their numbers? Of, of how a state reports its numbers? Yeah, yep. well, a state, a region, as, a county, you know, I mean. As Jared said, every state does it a little different. Um, Minnesota and Iowa are sort of the gold standards of scientific data collection and gathering via roadside surveys. Other states to, to lesser levels and some have abandoned doing them. So d depending on that level of hard scientific data, yep. it becomes more challenging to uh, gather meaningful information because then it becomes qualitative and not quantitative. But the right amount of qualitative data, talking to people, talking to people in different regions uh, of a state can really make the difference and give people an idea. Um, so that, that sort of between using all the raw quantitative data we can and using this qualitative data, talking to people, that's how they, they come together. And, you know, we, we leverage good writer reporters who have an interest in upland birds, a pay, you could say a passion like we do and yep. they, and dig. Yeah. Clean, safe water is a big deal. And I'm grateful that I have a Connecticut system in my home so that I can be sure that my family is drinking the best water possible. Now is a great time to consider a Connecticut system for your home. Aquarius home services is now offering a 25% discount on their top notch, whole home Kinetico water system. Whether it's city or well water, a Kinetico system removes impurities and provides spotless dishes, softer clothes, and purified water right from your faucet. Enjoy life-giving water. Experience the benefits of clean water with this can't-miss 25% off offer from Aquarius Home Services. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at Aquarius Home Services. Com. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, 
Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. All right, let's let's dig. Let's do it. Here we go. This? Let's okay. go to <laughs> Minnesota. You're the sound effects guy. Today. <laughs> yeah, it was the yeah. wheel. I just <laughs> keeps going. Wheel. Yeah, Brandon's not here to give me any sound effects, so I just made my own. And they're not going to dub in something better than that. You're just going to go. He might. But did it work? You guys see what I was doing there? Following me? I did. <laughs> okay. Let's just start with our home state here. Okay. Carp? Uh, Minnesota looks real good this year. I mean, I think based on two things. One, hard, raw, scientific data. Mm-hmm. The roadside counts. And you, we've got the map embedded in our report, but you can also go to the Minnesota DNR website um, and see how the roadside counts came out. There's different colors. Every, everybody who's ever hunted Minnesota knows, how, knows that this this data is is a good guide uh, the so it's sort of funny when i look at the map this year there's a lot of dark brown which is good uh, they, they have good fair poor and sort of non-existent for pheasant counts and there's different colors on the map representing different birds per birds per mile driven um so there's a lot of dark color on that map this year and that means you know what that means just go hunting yeah you know, right. you're not going to be able to outsmart this map because I'll also say on the years where the, bra- the, the dark brown is like a little blotch in one spot mm-hmm. and everybody goes there, then the problem is everybody goes there. I, <laughs> I usually stay away from the dark brown because that's where everybody goes. But this yeah. year, everybody's going to be pretty much hunting in that dark brown to the second level. And, you know, we all know we're talking about pheasant hatch, you know. In, a, in an area that's just fair, you think, oh, up toward, up on the northern edge of the pheasant range in Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know if I want to go there. That color isn't that good. But it's like, yeah, if, if a, you're at a WMA and three, three birds hatched, bir- broods of 12, and, there's, and there's, there's 28 roosters out there, and nobody yeah. goes up there and hunt there, you can have a heck of a good hunt. Exactly. So, you know, I would, you know, I, I did a tour around the state, and it's, you probably hunt Minnesota more than anybody else that I know. Like, like <laughs> I, as far as just traveling around in different areas. Yeah. Like, I think, Jared, would you agree? Or do you know anybody that hunts Minnesota? Um, I know plenty of guys that are hardcore, but um, carp is extremely hardcore mm-hmm. uh, for Minnesota, especially when you get into the latter parts of fall. Um, you get into that, especially in December. Um, the guys out there just freezing his ass off, chasing, <laughs> chasing, roost, chasing roosters as much as he can. So he's got some, he's got some good stories from that. And I'm pretty sure he takes, he's had that cof, coffee cup for most of the years. It's, it's, uh, 
complete completely stained around the uh, outside there. Hey, cheers, That's, buddy. Yeah. I've got <laughs> coffee stains too. I've been I've, like Ron Cher comes in. He's like, you're going to get sick off of that. I'm like, no, I think I'm going to be stronger because of it. That's uh, that's that's a high indicator of a guy that uh, does a lot of scouting, and he's sitting there with the binoculars, just drinking that coffee in the morning, seeing <laughs> seeing where those roosters Co- are going. Coffee scouts me the roosters, and snooze gets me the roosters. Yeah, so. <laughs> so there we go. Oh. So I, you know, where to go? I mean. I, two things. One, if you've ever thought of exploring a new place of Minnesota, do it this fall. Yep. Because um, there, there's going to be birds. I don't care what the color it is. You just got to go hunt. But if you've never hunted, and and I'm not gonna, I'm not hot spotting anywhere. I'm just saying, if you've never hunted West Central, like Big Stone, Lacaparl, Swift, mm-hmm. some of those counties, get out and try it. Yeah. If you've never went Southwest down to Worthington, Pipestone, places like that. Go down and try it. Right. If you, you know, a lot of Twin Cities hunters don't like to go. So they, they like to do a day hunt, you know, down toward, you know, New Ulm and Brown County and Redwood Falls in that area. There's Sleepy Eye. You can get down there and get birds. Like So anybody, if I've mentioned your spot or go out towards Wilmer. Yeah. I mean, I'm mentioning everywhere. I'm not telling you any secrets. So I think what happens, you know, we have a huge audience here in the Twin Cities, the metro area, yeah. probably the largest audience of any of our states, you know, maybe, maybe South Dakota, maybe Sioux Falls, I don't know. But, um, you, you get on the road and you start seeing like Onyx shows you this, a big WMA and, and you're like an hour outside the city, hour and a half. And you plan on walking five or six hours that day. Well, if you just drive that extra hour or half hour or something, I don't know if it, it just like gets you a little bit. You know what I always say is one out and this is just talking about uh, us Minnesotan Twin Cityans who who are a big chunk of hunters hunting the Midwest. I mean, mm-hmm. look at number one number one state for importing hunters south in or in North Dakota and South Dakota. The number one state that influxes hunters is Minnesota. Blue so, platers, blue platers, so <laughs> blue plater, the blue plater. I love that. I always say right. what, one hour. Yeah. You can find birds, but you also find some hunters and you'll have, yep. a, you'll have a nice walk. You might, yep. you might see a few birds, two hours. You're going to see fewer hunters and yeah, you're probably going to have a little better luck hunting birds if you're willing. And, and it's tough on a day trip, but yep. I, I do it as Get we up talk. an hour earlier. Well, three hours. You can sleep after hunting season. That's what I you, always say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sleeping exactly. you're dead. <laughs> I mean, looking, looking, at while we're talking about this and, and just kind of going back to what Carp said, like he's pointing out basically the entire pheasant range yeah. in Minnesota. <laughs> if you go and look at the map, you know, especially close to the Twin Cities, yes, you do not have to go that far. Uh, you know, you ju- you jump from some of the, the the poor areas where there's, you know, less than 10 pheasants per square mile that they found on roadside reports. And here's but- why I think that's poor is it's just less places exactly live. exactly yeah. there's there's no there's no grass yeah and in, in huge quantities right but Too many houses you go yeah you go within you in in 45 45 minutes or less you can be in fair country for the minnesota report which is 25 25 to 49 birds per square mile if you have a bird dog i guarantee you will have an okay pheasant hunt. Yeah, you want like let's go. You want to go a little bit farther than that? You get into the good, which is a large portion of western and southwestern Minnesota. That's more than forty nine birds per square mile. Mm-hmm. That the that's a good population. So I've seen it with my own eyes. I've yep. been out there, guys. Yep. It is anecdotal and anecdotally, um, the reports have just flooded in here, especially in the last month. Uh, 
there's pheasants just showing up. Everywhere. And if you so. want, if you want to read about some of those reports, go just go on. The, Travis talked about how you find it yeah, online. Yeah, it's on pheasants forever. Go, yep. it's click, on your website. Click on Minnesota. Click on Minnesota, and there's I think eight field reports. Yeah, from yeah, across it's, it's Minnesota. Great, and, it's a great breakdown and, from people that are trustworthy sources. Yeah. I mean, they're people who. Yeah. Uh, live in the midst of 17 WMAs in Western Minnesota, or they live in, they live in, uh, the Northern part of the range. I mean, these are real hunters. Yep. These aren't just, and you know, we talk, we talk to the biologists, but these are just field reports. What, and you guys, Jared said it, these are actual, what they've seen on the ground. Do you think it's because of our jobs that people like all the conversations I have right now, everyone knows that I a bird hunter and do these TV shows and, not everybody, but the people that I know know what I do. So they instantly want to talk about the birds they're seeing, right? Yep. So it just naturally leads to that. But I, I can't have a conversation with anybody right now, I feel like, without talking about, oh, I saw all these pheasants on the road. Oh, yep. yeah, I saw 12 grouse walk through my yard and blah, blah, blah. Like, I would are you getting that too? Yeah, I would say I would say it's the same for all of us, you know, and anytime I'm... Out, it's our world. It's, I, yeah, anytime I'm on the road, it's our world. Anytime I'm on the phone, it, it very, very quickly changes course to... Hey, uh, I was driving, you know, here and there, and boy, did I see pheasants all over the road. You know, yeah. it's like Carp that's sends, that's e awesome. Every every email interaction is a picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I get to see lark with birds, and I'm like, I love it. Photo evidence. Photo so, evidence. Yeah. yeah. Photo uh, art didn't happen. Minnesota's gonna be <laughs> Minnesota's gonna be great. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, the surrounding states, which maybe that's a good segue. Maybe yeah. maybe we jumped yeah. out. Yeah. I I'll, think what I was gonna get at is, do you think other people are having these conversations too? You mean, or is it just because we live in this bird world? I no, th I think it's because we live in this bird world. Right. I mean, so the last thing I'll leave you before we leave Minnesota okay. is we paint, we've painted this picture and there are birds out there, but just remember, they aren't going to walk out and raise their wing and say, <laughs> yeah. okay, I'm going to fly now, yeah. shoot me. Raise the white flag. Right. It's, I surrender. It's still pheasant hunting. Yes. Here's the other thing I'll say is this. Um, a lot of these reports, there is a good spread of the hatch from early to late a lot of these folks and that now it's been a couple of weeks since since i've talked to them they were seeing birds that were not even roosters that were like yeah that mm -hmm. thing's starting to color color up so we talked about me in late season there's going to be roosters out there that aren't even going to be able to be shot until mid-november sure yeah, I would agree with that. Because you can't, you can't, you can't see the color, but they will. Three different hatches for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yep. I've seen it with my own eyes. Yep. Some birds that are like, "Whoa, there goes a big brood," or bouquet of of them, and then I'm like, "Holy cow! How can you even fly? You're so small, like <laughs> you poor little guy." You know. So yes, there are all yep. three different hatches there. Um, something to think about too, is we've gotten in some areas of Minnesota in the last 10 days, we've gotten five, six, seven inches of rain. A lot of it is just soaked in. So I think the farmers are going to still be able to harvest, but if it continues, might delay harvesting yeah. a few days. Yeah. And then, we, we talked about and, that in the report, I, like at report time, everybody's like, yeah, early harvest, early harvest. A lot of silage is gone. Yeah. We're, we're going to hit the corn before the beans that might change mm -hmm. now. So mm -hmm. Anyway, enough Minnesota, enough Minnesota. Yeah, but it's uh, it's going to be good. And I'll, if you're a traveling hunter, <laughs> I also tell people this: you know, there's a lot of pheasants and a lot of public land in Minnesota. Yep. Don't overlook it. Don't overlook it. I want to add this: this is a great year to bring somebody hunting when the bird numbers are are good. 
Bring somebody new with so they can experience it. Don't don't wait for things to be perfect. Just go and just bring somebody with. Yep. I've got a few people that I'm excited to bring with. And Experience the magic, yes. um, especially when we have a good year. Numbers of birds mean typically more hunters start coming with, but if we want this to be good for years to come, we need to introduce those people to yep. something so magical. Let's go. Where do you want to go next? Let's go to South Dakota. Great places, the, the, the great pheasant, faces. The pheasant cap. South Dakota. I, I the pheasant to, cap. I was waiting for that. You you did, you took my lead. I like it. The pheasant capital and the home of 2024 National Pheasant Fest and Sioux Quail Falls. Classic. Yeah. Sioux Falls. Yeah, definitely. All right. Where do we begin? I think, you know, the, the basic story in South Dakota is rinse and repeat. You know, the farther north you go, the worse the winter was, the worse the winter was. Um, But they had a brutal winter as well. Um, It didn't compare with North Dakota's, which we'll get to. Um, But very good hatching conditions. Same thing. Um, We can get into some of the regions. in South Dakota, Andrew Johnson, he's our, yeah, people might not know what a stringer is. A stringer is a freelancer or a reporter that doesn't, isn't on the payroll, but he's there like almost. And Andrew Johnson is our South Dakota guy. He's a great freelancer, a great writer. I'm just writer. picturing him out there in the middle of a CRP field, just calling in right now. Yeah, I got pheasants. Whoa, duck pheasant ha- just flew over my head. Hardcore hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's um, he's yeah. real deal. Lab a lab guy, a public land hunter, uh, and he he does a great job. So I, you know, we can walk through some of the regions here and what what the what what his reporting was. Um, but I think it's going to be a great year in South Dakota. I mean, the same story as Minnesota, and you can maybe even magnify it depending on the place in South Dakota and the, and the habitat. Um, the hatch was good. A lot of different age classes are still being seen uh, or were being seen. And I just think, once again, you probably can't pick a wrong region in South sure. Dakota, but there are some that are maybe a little going to be better than others and and we can talk about that let's do it right now yeah let's which are those reasons regions i think you know east had a lot of dry um and i think the farther east you go the little more challenging it might be in south dakota um uh, that's sort of that's sort of the gist i was getting from some of the reporting we got but i think as usual up in that aberdeen area it's going to be good there. You know, it's, there's, it was a little wetter to the north and west. Um, and I think that south central winter area, sort of that classic golden golden area down there is going to be good too. But once again, that doesn't mean there's not birds anywhere else. In, in South Dakota, it's all relative, right? It's all the capital, right? <laughs> Everyone claims to be the pheasant capital of the world. But what is the pheasant capital of South Dakota? What would you say, Jared? You- um, Huron, Huron claims I, it. Yeah, I mean, Everybody I think claims it. there's there's a number of different places that claim it. I, I I myself I I spend a lot of my time in the in the Aberdeen area, and I don't you know I don't think that's that's not really hot spotting at all. I mean, Aber, Aberdeen has the most public land uh, per mile or per capita, whatever, uh, in the entire state. 
uh, anything from walk-in lands to the conservation reserve enhancement program, that Jim River crap. Um, and it's also got the Aberdeen Pheasant, Pheasant Co Coalition, Coalition yep. which this new PATH program, which you were talking about earlier at Remedy Brewing next week that you guys are going to talk about, public access to habitat is sort of a spinoff of um, they took the the Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition and basically went statewide with it. So it's a $20, $25 incentive now on top of CRP and other incentives that can really give people a good payment in exchange for quality habitat and access. But that Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition has put on, I think, over 4,000 acres now since they started. Um, and they're just, it's just premium nesting cover, and that's, that's the name of the game. Um, they did have a hard winter up there, but, uh, you know, spring, spring broke. Uh, it was nice and dry there for a little bit and that's, that's all the birds needed. So, you know, sort of around that area, as you go further West, you, you can go on and read it, read our report at pheasantsforever.org, uh, at the top, just, you know, click on the, click on the pheasant hunting forecast, but we've got, you know, some of our staff are saying a lot of the broods that they've been seeing are 10 to 14 birds strong. And that's, that's when, you know, he had a phenomenal, mm -hmm. phenomenal success rate for hatch. Um, so, uh, that's been good, but as carp alluded to, uh, I, I was just in Sioux Falls the other day, um, talking about, uh, a con concert for conservation that we just announced yes, so trampled yes. by turtles. That's going to be, Did you uh, get your tickets yet. Uh, I have, well, they go they on, they, they go, go on, on sale, sale on, tomorrow. No, they go on sale in 30 minutes for pheasants forever members. So I got the secret link too. <laughs> you better, but, um, you better get I me want one. The backstage yeah. I'll pay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I know Bob's going backstage. I'm going. To oh yeah. Talking, talking with our staff there though, that, that Eastern edge, especially the Southeast, they're the ones that have been sort of stuck in that that drought phase. Yeah, um, yeah. so there's been a lot of haying and grazing. Um, there's not as much public lands in that specific section, but with the big Sioux crep now, uh, and, uh, our path program and other things, um, we we're aiming to change that. So big Sioux crep, which Jared mentioned is we had, we have the Aberdeen area crep where when you put your lands in CRP, they're automatically public access and now they're doing they're working on grasslands in southeastern minnesota along the big sioux river and our biologist there is it, it nate goring i think is uh uh gearing yep. nate gearing is our biologist there is doing a great job in rolling lands so you're gonna see that map you're gonna see the colors on the map start to increase in that portion of, of south dakota but jared's right that eastern eastern is dry like western minnesota was dry um so i think th the other thing we can talk about briefly i'd like jared to describe a little bit you guys alluded to it is the path agreement in south dakota that that is going to help us get more public land public access in south dakota maybe just touch on it because we're going to be really hammering that next week when we do the live show not hammering it but we're going to yep. dig into what that means for hunters so path public access to public access to habitat uh is basically a it's sort of a community-based habitat program how can we help landowners and wildlife and communities and hunters all at the same time so based based on that aberdeen pheasant coalition we just talked about a little bit ago but basically um Onyx, Onyx came in, uh, one of our best and brightest partners that we have. I mean, they're just, yeah, they're incredible. They're um, just a company that helps, helps, you know, where you stand, uh, when you're, when you're out in the field, but also contributes to where you want to stand out in the field by right. putting up money for public access. So they, uh, between them, South Dakota tourism, um, and pheasants forever came together, but basically Onyx and South Dakota tourism put up $250,000 
$25 per acre incentive on top of other bonuses that are out there right now, uh, CRP, walk-in access, sign-up incentive, um, but uh, can give you a really nice payment for a minimum of 10 years uh, of new habitat, uh, all connected to access. So it could be anything from CRP enrollments to uh, field field borders. Uh, it just has to be quality habitat that uh, cannot cannot be grazed. Um, that's a, that's an important point too, is that we want habitat. That's, that's going to be, um, it's not necessarily permanent, um, but it's perennial habitat. That's not going to be touched. It's going to be there when wildlife need it the most. Yeah. Let's hope this program expands out of South Dakota too. I, I see that it really, that's, that's the game plan. That's the game plan. Yeah. It's exciting. All right. (laughs) Okay. Let's head to North Dakota and get legendary. <laughs> well, it's since been, you spent the last month there, Carp. <laughs> yeah. Well, I spent, but I spend that month where it's very unlikely I would see a pheasant, but I did see a few. I did as well when we were hunting um, sharpies. Couldn't you can't quite get out of pheasant habitat all the time? No, but uh, I think North Dakota. I I know the winter there was brutal, and I know they lost birds because I I have a lot of friends around the state and. They, they found them in the spring, but the story is the same, that they had a hatch, uh, the, like just like the sharptails hatched well, like the huns hatched well, the pheasants had it the same way, where they have, oh, big surprise, habitat. Um, so I think North Dakota is going to be a better season than we've seen in North Dakota for a couple of years. Yeah, their numbers are up statewide, yep. 61% Sig- significant state reports. Yep. Un- unexpectedly, when you go and read our report, the number that jumps out to me is that uh, the winter of 2022, 2023 that we just got over with up there this this past winter um, dropped more than 100-plus inches of snow across most of the right. state. So the fact— Top five on record, right? The fact that pheasants can rebound from something like that just speaks to the bird like we've been talking about this whole time. I mean, if and going back, we said, you know, if we were sitting here in February talking about like what the, what the winter forecast looks like and and how that's going to shape up, I would have told you there was absolutely no way that pheasants are going to be able to recover and see pretty good populations going into this fall, but, um, quality habitat and, uh, having a little belief in our, our, our favorite uh, upland bird, yep. um, and you know, thank God for Mother Nature here in the spring. Some warm weather um, put it put it in the right direction. So pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, Jared used the word that matters in all this, and that's habitat. You know, obviously there is enough winter habitat to get birds through. They don't just survive on a snowbank, but habitat in the spring, specifically nesting habitat, grasslands is what makes birds. That's 70, 80, probably in some cases, 90% of the upland birds we shoot every year are birds that hatch that year. And that's what makes the difference. A few hens can make a lot of broods with a lot of birds and you don't get those without habitat. Um, I, I think that classic Southwestern North Dakota is probably going to be the headinger. The, yeah. Area. Yeah. That whole Mott headinger, yeah. that whole Southwest. Why is that one? They got a little more moisture out there, uh, for habitat. And two, they were a little warmer and drier mm-hmm. for nesting. Uh, the same way Huns and Sharptails are good out in North, out in Western North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Oh, big surprise. Pheasants had a good hatch too. Yeah. And it's just the classic, uh, North Dakota, 
pheasant country. I mean, there's a lot of pheasants elsewhere too. You get over Bismarck and that South Central, um, and you can you get some of those good spreads of public land uh, with ideal habitat. Um, and there's some James River areas in North Dakota too that sure. are good. Just like if James River comes into South Dakota, it is goes into Aberdeen. It's like it's it's not magical. You don't just hop the border and like, oh, there are no pheasants in North Dakota. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, five five miles south of the border and South Dakota and five miles north of North Dakota. They're pretty similar and there's birds. There. A lot of people from the Twin Cities leave and they get just across the border and they're like, all right, we're here. All right, let's hunt. Yep. You know, yep. just maybe try going a little bit further. All right, yeah, we are. We do. Holy cow, we've been talking for fifty minutes already. <laughs> okay, North Dakota. We've hammered it the last couple of weeks on the show. Is a very birdie this year. They're ready to go. <laughs> They're ready to go. Uh, Montana. I I'm probably not the best Montana uh, predictor, but the report is good, and I think once again. Everything we hear from the uplanders that are out there hunting prairie grouse is that, oh, wow, it's going to be a good pheasant season. Not Because not only are they seeing pheasants where there's that fringe country where you might see pheasants, but the hatches were just so good. Um, but Montana's a big state, so you got to read our report and look at the different regions. Yep. It's not the same all over. Uh, I think that eastern Montana is going to be the tops again. You get up in that northeast corner, which is sort of a golden triangle, um, it's going to be good. But you got to read read our report. Jack Jack Hudson does our report there, and he's he's sort of a bulldog for talking to people out there. Um, so it, it's a good resource. Does he hit on any storms, any hail, or anything that took any birds out? Um... Anything we that, we didn't get a lot of that type reporting this year. Yeah, I don't remember reading any of it from really any of the states that had tremendous loss. And I th- I think it reflects sort of the more dry the drier yeah. summer we had. We just didn't have storms. Yeah. I think the other thing too is um, sort of the 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 common theme with all this. And if you talk to anybody that like we've had staff members that went out west fly fishing this year. And, um, you know, the, the number thing, number one thing they report is they'll send me a picture, you know, on the road or a video. They're like, I just can't believe how green it is out here. And it's almost the entire West. I mean, everybody's just reporting. It is the greenest it has been in a long time. So, you know, anytime we get that excessive snowfall, like, uh, so when I went to Wyoming earlier this year, they talked about, uh, loss of, of, uh, pronghorn antelope, uh, and mule deer in some areas where they had really bad. So, it, it can impact wildlife. It can certainly impact yeah. upland birds, but that, that moisture is life giving, uh, to certain areas and Montana, Montana is no exception to that. So uh, on social, just last night I was up, up, up pretty late taking, taking care of things on the home front and, um, was looking at, uh, looking at some social before I was going to bed last night. And, uh, I can't remember his name, but somebody was out, uh, in Montana hunting sharp-tailed grouse. And he had just this wonderful, picture sun was setting and there's a whole bunch of roosters off just off the road uh and hens you know sitting on a sitting on a rancher's gate uh, you know it just it it's picturesque pheasant country it is it just it speaks yeah. to that and there were some coolies and stuff in the background so long story short i think carp's absolutely right from montana like you, you might have to do a little bit of shuffling around but mm-hmm. um i hunted out there last fall uh in december actually 
And I've I've never seen more sharp-tailed grouse uh, in pheasants uh, in my life. It so was, this is why good. I bump fe- uh, South Dakota a little bit further down my list of destinations to go pheasant hunting. I put North Dakota and Montana really high up on the list because of the two the the views, or I should say one the views of where you're walking with your dog and the the coolies and the the bluffs and and just beauty that's out there. And two, just the variety of bird species that you're going to flush outside of the pheasants as well. And that's just something so appealing to me that I, I, I picture what you just said, Jared, and I'm like, oh, I want to be there right now so badly. And it's, that's that Western North Dakota. That. You, you guys are such romantics. Give me a cattail slough frozen over with two inches of snow. <laughs> you love those hell holes. Yeah, a real hell hole they can go walk <laughs> walk through, you, tromp through. You, you nature boys have fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot oh. I'm gonna shoot roosters Jared in a western and I are gonna Minnesota hold hands and eat little Debbie's yeah. out there on the hill. Yeah, and don't go too early because when you fall when you fall through one of those ponds, I got to bring you a fresh pair of pants to yeah. stick on because remember when they're Casey frozen. remember Tom when you and I were hunting? Oh yeah, and the ice wasn't thick enough for Casey, and he dropped down <laughs> yeah. his his uh armpits <laughs> yeah he had to head back to town and change change dungarees we were in <laughs> we were in absolute cattail like as far as you can see out there Tra- travis came out and he had a little he had a little beard as we do on a hunting trip we get a little beard <laughs> he looked like santa claus <laughs> all the cattails oh my god you love that don't you i do yeah people say i some I've written it before. Some folks say he even likes cattails about me. <laughs> Almost looked like he did the, the, you ever seen that cattail corn dog challenge? Yeah. You bite into one of those and it just. That is his most. Just basically chokes you. <laughs> somebody, somebody once asked me, you know, about a bell on my dog and does it scare birds and this and that. And I said, I described it and I, I said, well, wh- why do you have a bell? Why don't you just have a beeper? And it's all personal preference. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't like that sound. I don't like the electron. I don't need electronic sounds. I need a bell on her, and I can tell her she is. Well, she's in the cattails, and he says, he says, well, how do you find her? And I said, well, her bell goes silent. He said, but that doesn't make sense. I said, yeah, it does. I said, I get two hunts after she points. One, I got to find her, <laughs> yeah. and then two, I have to find the bird. And they looked at me like. Uh, I guess I can see that. So I get, I get Toot the twofer. I get, I get the twofer. Are you tired of your job and wish that you could start a new career? Well, now you can. Ace Solid Waste is an award-winning waste management company, and they are looking for people just like you. Ace Solid Waste has over 60 years of experience servicing customers in the Minneapolis metro area, and their company is growing. Ace provides themselves on having safe, reliable, friendly, and professional employees that set their team apart. Their talented staff will run you through ACE University and prepare you for the position that best fits your skill sets. From truck driver operator to mechanic, operations to customer service, there is a perfect role at ACE waiting just for you. Plus, you'll receive competitive salary, benefits, and paid vacation. Life is short. Don't stay at a job that's not right for you. Experience the ACE difference today. Check them out at acesolidwaste.com. It's summer season, which means thunderstorms can roll on in. Are you prepared for a power outage at your home or business? The Minnesota Propane Association wants you to know that installing a propane generator will ensure peace of mind when the power goes out. 
Also, the same propane that powers your generator can also power all the major appliances in your home. Installing propane appliances instead of electric appliances in your home or business will reduce the size and cost of the generator. Imagine running all your gas appliances at one time versus picking and choosing which electric ones to run during a power outage. Reliable, affordable, safe. Propane, the energy for everyone. To find out more about generators and propane appliances, go to propane.com. There's something so therapeutic about listening to the bell in the woods. Oh, yeah. Putting that bell on Daisy Yeah, again. Do you put one on Daisy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, in the woods. I don't yeah. do it in the field. Yeah. I don't, I, do you put a bell on in the woods? Uh, I normally do. I, I, I didn't this last week. the but, sound of the... Yeah. And you know what? And, and it goes quiet. Yes. Mm, yes. Let's get over there. All jacked up oh, to walk in on a That's not as good to say. It, it goes quiet. And so... <laughs> Anyway, nature, right. nature, boys. Let's let's move on. <laughs> okay, I, have we been to Iowa yet? We have not. We're, Jared, let's <laughs> let Jared take this one away. Yeah, he's an Iowa freak. I'll just say, don't go to Iowa. There aren't any birds. There's there. no birds in <laughs> Iowa. Oh well, my God. Boy, I, I I think Travis has pretty vivid recollection of when we hunted there uh, with the flush last year. Uh, Rich oh Berkland, Josh Divin, mm-hmm. uh, Plymouth County chapter. We sort of went across the in, entire northern northern edge of the state. And there was a lot of birds. Um, it was like pheasant porn on that TV show. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I, if if you haven't watched it yet, watch the 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 dream the dream hunt that we sold on a, a pheasants forever auction to help help our wildlife habitat conservation efforts. And we just had some great folks come up. But um, there those was guys a, were so fun. Yeah, they were. They were so fun. I mean, I yes, I loved everything about that hunt from our grilling steaks and. And talking trash at camp to all the birds. It, yep. was, it was just like when you draw up a pheasant hunt with, with buddies, like that was it. But I, I think that hunt, and may, maybe not every hunt on public land or private land, wherever you are in the state, but it was sort of indicative of what the population was last year. There was a ton of hens. They were all in really good, really good condition, um, it, you know, except for basically the northern third of the state, which did have some tough winter weather in some portions, especially that northwest corner. Um, you know, the the pheasants had a pretty good year. So I think they rebounded, I think it was 15% um, on roadside counts. Um, and there are a couple highlights in there. The north northwest and west central, uh, lots of habitat there, lots of uh walking, uh their walk-in program, IHAP, Iowa Habitat and Access Program. Lots of opportunity uh, there this year. Um, one thing that I like to see was the the north the northeast um, has been down for a long time. So where I went to school at Luther College up in sort of that Decorah area, and the northeast is about there's nine or ten counties up there that are included in that roadside count, um, and they had the they had the highest highest counts uh, in that sector in the last 24 years. So even when I was my own bird dog in college shooting pheasants there. Um, it wasn't, uh, wasn't as high as it is now. So that region really bounced back. You know, if you're, uh, looking, looking for something and, and you know, don't want to go all the way to Northwest Iowa, the, the cent- central regions, North central, Northeast, and even, um, even East central, I think that the whole, the whole state is going to be pretty good this year. And I'm hearing pretty stellar reports from people. Can I ask real quick? Yeah. We'll move on to a different state, but how are the quail numbers looking in Iowa this year? You know, quail unexpectedly, we're actually down in their report. Why? Uh, 
they're they're not entirely sure because there wasn't there wasn't a ton of bad winter weather. Maybe Carp has some insights into it, but um, especially that that southwest uh, corner, they were thinking there was going to be an absolute boom. And anecdotal reports early on, from what I gathered from talking to Todd Bogenschutz, our upland biologist, and and some of our other staff out there, was like. Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be the year of the year of the quail again, just like it was. I think it was at 2018. They had the highest something like that highest yeah. counts in yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Um, so anecdotally, um, they were see- seeing a lot of broods, but the roadside count didn't report the same. So I think there's still gonna be opportunities there, especially on that uh, western side, to do a mixed bag hunt uh, for pheasants and quail. Um, I was holding its own. We need more CRP. We need more grassland acres, um, and we need to continue doing, um, you know, our permanent habitat protection acquisition projects. And uh, I think there's going to be good good things if you just follow the dog there this year. Mm-hmm. I would add one thing to Iowa that if somebody hasn't hunted it, what stands out to me every time I go there is how fertile that soil is down there. So the habitat yeah. that gets put into CRP, it is the thickest, tallest. I mean, I'm not very tall, obviously, but it's that blue stem is unbelievable in Iowa. You get the southwest corner of Minnesota, like Scott Rawls' blue stem properties down there. Oh, my goodness. Iowa looks like that everywhere. You swear that they could not grow thicker, lusher, And uh, they have a really good roadside program, too. The roadsides there, when you're driving along, you're just like, man, I'd really like to hunt that. (laughs) Everything looks so picturesque. You you talk about the soil there. I'll I'll leave our Iowa topic with this is that their birds are just big. I've never, I mean, you, to me, and I've shot a lot of pheasants in a lot of places. You need a bigger vest when you go to You Iowa. need a bigger vest. You need, <laughs> you need to do a few more whatever back exercises. But, you mean, I'm, I'm not Maybe kidding. Maybe you give Lark a vest yeah, and just let Carry your own birds. Yeah. But they, uh, I just think of a, a rooster from, let, let's say, far, western South Dakota. That's the soil. You talked about the soil. The soil is different. The habitat yeah. is different. The food is different. They just roosters seem 20, 25% bigger in Iowa. And I think they are. I, I guess I we should, should, I've got to get some scientific data here. We should tell our bosses, Hey guys, we should tell our bosses, this is our, yeah. we have a scientific study we need to do. We are going to hunt every state in pheasant country and find out where the biggest pheasants live. This will be valuable information. We're going to need to take 15 days off. Starting in the first of November, we'll start in not PTO either. Okay, no, no, we, this is on the clock. We yeah. start in South Dakota. We head west from western edge of Pheasant Range, South Dakota, through the east into Minnesota, mm-hmm. down the western edge through the southwest of Minnesota, and then to, and into northwest, and then west, and then central, and down the east side of Iowa. Well, I want to go to Montana and North Dakota too, though. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think it has to be a. Two- That's okay. It we can go be, there. Yeah, we'll it start in a, Montana. Well, those are that. Then it has to be a two-year data collection. Oh, I see. Two fifteen days. Spread it out. All okay. right, you you heard it here first. All right, <laughs> this is be valuable information. Kansas. Um. You know, Nebraska. And oh, I Kansas. skipped Nebraska. No, that's okay. I'm just start. I'm just mentioning those two because they're they're largely in a similar boat. I think, in that they are they didn't escape as much uh, drought as we did, and the drought was hard impacted them harder the last couple years, and I think that's that has really affected habitat and production down there uh, in uh, in in Kansas. We'll start with Kansas. Um, so, 
Are there birds there? Yeah. Are there, now we talked a little about quail, you know, Kansas might be a little different story about good for quail. Um, and I think it's going to be, but pheasants, I think are going to be a little challenging in Kansas this year. There's, there's going to be birds, but it's, it's not going to be the type of lights out hunting that we're hoping to have in these northern parts of pheasant range. Do we have a comparable season to what Kansas is in right now for pheasants? Can you look back it, and say, hey, 10 years ago it was like this, and that's where we're at now? In Kansas? Yeah, I mean, is yeah, there... I, I don't, to be okay. honest, but uh, I think in the modern, you know, last 10 years, it's going to be as tough as it's ever been in the last 10 years. Now, I've been there three, four years ago, and, and there, there's birds there, don't get me wrong. Sure. Here's the one thing I'll say is, Western Kansas uh, had more rain. You talked about the green uh, on the landscape in the West. Well, Western Kansas is the West, and it, it was greener there. And I, I, I guess that's what I'm saying is if I go into Kansas, and oh, I probably will in January, yeah. I'm going to go West, as far West as I can. All right. And I was to say one of the one of the things in that report too that it was written by Casey Casey Sill who joined us last year when we yeah. did the did the pheasant report and um, one of the things that he kind of right up front and center in, in the report for Kansas is that in 2022 it was so dry down there that nearly the entire state was released for CRP um, for for haining for haining okay. grazing so. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot of habitat that came off last year uh, at the wrong times, uh, and the rains didn't necessarily return early enough this year to get it in prime nesting uh, nesting conditions for for pheasants. Now quail could be a different story because they nest a little later. We had a lot of rain, um, and quail are actually looking looking pretty decent in Kansas this year. But uh, pheasants are pheasants are still recovering, as Carp has has pointed out. But there are going to be there are going to be some highlights, and that's that's a lot of you know hunt for an hour or two. I'm not finding it, not finding too many birds in this particular region or this particular area. Uh, I'm going to pick up and I'm going to move 30, 45 minutes. You can look at weather maps and that type of thing and maybe maybe help guide you to where there yep. might be better population. Good tip. Yep. Let's go to Nebraska. We're going to wrap it up with Nebraska. And then I think, well, let's just go to Nebraska quick. I love Nebraska, but I think they're, they've had similar, it's sort of rinse and repeat with Kansas as far as, uh, habitat goes which is driven by by rains very droughty in nebraska especially that eastern nebraska so once again i'd i'd head south and west um in nebraska if, if i were to go there this year and i don't know that i will but i'd that's that's where i'd go because more grass mm -hmm. and you know you talk about some emergency mowing mowing for hay um there's just going to be less impact to the grass the farther west you go because there's more grass out there um once again it's it's a similar story to kansas just tough tougher conditions with the drought now that ha helps hatch birds but remember they've also had two or three years of drought to mm -hmm. impact the habitat that's already there and they don't get as much snow down there like north dakota and south dakota had to, ne to add moisture nebraska um 
You know, the real shining star, I think, of Nebraska as a whole throughout the country. They've got one of the best walk and access programs in the country. And the wheat stubble program? Uh, yep, open, the open fields and waters, and then, you've yeah, you've got your wheat stubble uh, sort of access that come, it comes out a little bit later in the fall. But I like I like using uh, the enrollments uh, for open fields and waters, and then... 346,000 acres. It's a lot of acres. In that program. Yep, it's a lot of acres. There's some, uh, there's some particularly big chunks, uh, especially, especially as you get more down towards the southwest. But, uh, you know, when you couple that with uh, the, the stubble map uh, to see where there's food on the landscape next to, next to quality cover, um, that's a winning recipe for, for finding pheasants and quail. Mm-hmm. Um, quail uh, forecast is going to come out here shortly. Um, and quail uh, quail is actually looking okay in Nebraska this year, especially uh, especially in the south, southeast regions, um, their their quail populations are actually looking pretty good. So um, there's opportunities for a mixed bag hunt in Nebraska. Uh, they've got a pretty long season, um, and uh, there's a lot of areas to go to. Not not just access programs, but there's plenty of um, reservoirs and other things that have got quality habitat where you can go and have a fun hunt. So, yeah. And I've been messaging back and forth with Andy Edwards here even this morning about setting up our quail forecast as well to kind of break down places that we'll, we'll dig into the quail numbers around the country as well and and reasons for optimism and places that might yep. be on your list you know and this in our area january 1st is the last day of season in minnesota north dakota obviously south dakota extended theirs yep. by another month love it i've been doing that every every year since they've done it and it's awesome there's yeah. not there's not that many hunters and the birds, when you find them, they are just piled together. So when does Minnesota extend their season? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know. know if it's being talked about or on the books. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love that late season hunting too, but I tell you what, I still remember two, two years ago in January, I went, I went down to Kansas, and we had, you know, it was classic Minnesota January. There were two feet of snow on the ground. It was eight below zero. And I drove 10 hours. And I hunted in a sweater, mm-hmm. not on snow. Yep, I did that last and, year in January. We drove out of the snow here, and I was hunting in a T-shirt in January, and we, yeah. were, we were hunting quail. So, don't, yep. don't, so despite the challenge of these these Kansas and Nebraska forecasts, don't don't overlook the mm-hmm. the idea that wow, I can be walking on not snow and ice. It was so nice and hunting in a sweater. It was so nice not being and you're heading high. You're heading west to do it, which is where they're going to be more. And there's anyway. and like carp set. I mean, there's birds to be found in all these states. Yep. Some are not, you know, they're not all created equal. Um, but by and large, I think for the pheasant forecast this year. I think folks are going to be pretty happy with what they find on the landscape uh, based on based on our reporting and just anecdotally what we're hearing from farmers, ranchers, our staff and partners. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and I'll just leave it at this. There's in your guide here on your website, there's, you know, like we just talked about the open fields and waters program in Nebraska. There are links to where these properties exist. You can click on them directly on this pheasant forecast that you guys have put together. It's very detailed. Carp, well done. Well done again, another year, and you're just given a lot of useful information. I encourage people to check it out. There are several states that we did not touch, so if you want to know more about, let's say, Colorado or Utah or California or Texas or Missouri or something like that, you can click on these states and get the, the breakdown of all of that information on there. I know you have to go. We need to get back out into the field. 
That's I'd say right. That's what we're doing right now. We're not. Oh, God. <laughs> yet. But soon we'll be back out there hunting. Thanks for coming in today, guys. Good to see you during hunting season. It's rare well. uh, that we all get to be in the same room at the same time during hunting season, but I enjoy it when it happens. So thank you. Hunting season is here, boys. Let's Woo! go.